Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the winter of 2018, four Delta Green agents are called upon to look into the disappearance of a police officer in a northern Minnesota housing project. Join Paul, played by Chris, Kendra, played by Becca, Mick, played by Joreen, and Dougie, played by Joaquin, in Project Echo, a scenario for Delta Green. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM and on Facebook and Discord at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Tamara excuses herself to the bathroom. You, Michaela, and Dougie are just kind of left staring at each other for a moment. And we'll go back to Paul and Kendra right now, who are sitting in the van in the parking lot of this convenience store and hardware store and chain of small businesses. You see a nail place, maybe like a very small restaurant or something. But most of these places are closed. There's still people kind of loitering around in the lot, but they're just minding their own business, doing their own things. You guys are there. I'm looking at my phone, getting a little impatient, waiting to hear back from them, you know, and I look at the time that I put it back down in the cup holder. I'm looking at the flow of people here and I'm looking for like, okay, is that a door that people can go into? Is that a door there in case I have to make the decision myself? You do see like a main front entrance, like a double door. And then you also see there's a side door that might be just a door that goes to like fire stairs or something like that. And you see that there's kind of like this surge of activity that almost seems centered around that door. You see people coming in and out. You see the same person occasionally surfacing and and resurfacing, almost like uh, little handoffs Mm. happening. And every now and then you hear like this whistle from somebody that's kind of standing farther away in the courtyard. And you're starting to make out what's happening. Men are going up to one of the individuals, exchanging money, and then they'll go around to the side of the building where somebody will do a hand exchange of some type of drugs. And you've seen this in TV, you've seen this in movies. You're pretty sure that you're witnessing it happen in real life right now. I look at Kendra. What are the odds that there's a door like that on the other side? What do you think? She's breathing into her hands, kind of warming them up as best she can. Um, They all look like they're built relatively the same. Big project like that, I don't think each building would be different. Yeah, I mean, on the other side of the building, though, I'm wondering if there's a door like that on the other side of the building. Hey, you look cold. Let's get this van going and drive around and see if we can see if there's something like that on the other side. I start the van up and I kick the heat up on high. And I take the can of Copenhagen. I'm like, this will warm you up. It really won't. But I mean, you know, just kind of throw it back down there and I kind of just smirk a little bit, drive forward, shift it into drive. And I'm just driving around the front to see the other side of the building, see if there's a side door like that on the other side. If you circle the buildings, you'll see that it has like a fire escape type door on each of the sides. And then it has like a main entrance in the front. The main entrance probably goes to like an elevator Mm -hmm. and staircase or something. And then there's, there's apartments around on each. Floor. You said the side door looked busy where the handoffs were happening. Does this side look like there's handoffs happening there? 
When you drive around to the other side of the building, so you see the front entrance, you see the side where the handoffs Mm -hmm. are happening. You go around back. You don't see a door in the back. And you keep going towards this other side. And you see the light on that side is out. And you see that there's still like people walking by. It's a busy place. But there's not activity here. There's not like people using this door necessarily. People will occasionally walk past Mm -hmm. the building maybe to get to the other side or to get to Mm -hmm. the front or to get where the action is happening. But this side, it's not unattended, but there's less going on here. I look at her and I'm like, what I'm doing here is I'm trying to find a way we can get in if we don't get a point of contact in. The front is obviously not the way that I want to get in. The other side, obviously, is going to take some kind of fucking distraction and get them away from there. But I'm willing to bet that whatever is being handed off there is valuable enough to these folks that they're not going to want to leave that area. Or it's going to take a lot to get them to leave. And then there's here. I motion to the other door. I, I assume we're parked like in another parking lot. I'm going to leave the vehicle running though because I see that she's cold. I'm going to be like, but my thing is it might be locked. So we're going to have to wait. Part of me is tempted to go out there and see if I can open it. But I feel like throwing a jacket hood up is not worth it. And we'll wait to see what yeah. Twiddly D and Twiddly Dumb find out. And uh, hopefully they'll get back to us soon with some information there. So as you're kind of watching the door to see if somebody goes in or out to kind of give you any kind of information as to like whether it's locked or what, uh, we'll cut back to Mick and Dougie. Tamara is getting out of the bathroom right now and she uh, kind of rejoins you guys on the couch. And she, she puts her hand on Mick's shoulder and she's wiping tears from her eyes and she's just like, I'm sorry. Thanks for, thanks for listening to me. It's no problem at all. Thank you for sharing all of this with us. I think there's, and I'm looking over at Dougie, I think there's only one thing we really want to ask, and that is, do you happen to know anyone who lives in the northern building of the project? We have information that that is where he was last seen, and we would really like to take a look ourselves, even though it's been so long ago. Knowing this area a little bit, tells me that that is much easier if we have somebody that is actually there to receive us. I had a coworker who lived there. I mean, and I've always like had friends at school that lived in the area. I have to admit, even I had a prejudice about the area before I got old enough to realize that it's not people's fault that they end up there. In school, I never wanted to really be perceived as hanging out with people that lived there. But when I got older and I started working at a supermarket, I had this coworker who lived there. The type of stories he told me were always kind of messed up. And I always felt really bad that him and his mom had to live there. He used to always tell me about this smell at night that would just keep him up. It was like a, like a million animals had just died in all the vents and everybody would just be outside of their building walking around trying to figure out what was going on. The smell would be so bad, it would wake everybody up. And I always think about that, how lucky I am to just not have those kind of problems in the place that I live. I mean, my landlord's kind of a dick, but I don't know. I don't know anybody that lives there, no. I know my dad was, I wouldn't even say friends, but he knew the the mother of that kid. I don't even really remember what her name was, but she was listening to his bullshit. Maybe she was just lonely having lost a son, but it's like a painful memory to even really think about that place now. Understandable, and that's completely okay. We have 
things on the kit as well. So maybe based on the last name, we can find something. Um, something just popped up. You talked about those film crews before. I don't want you to get involved with them in any capacity. But those people have a tendency to leave a lot of information about themselves behind. So do you happen to have a card of them or a number that they used to call you on or with anything? They didn't give me any kind of card or number and they wouldn't even tell me their name. And after it happened, I tried to use Google to see what this production that they were trying to do was and I didn't find anything. So, you know, I just assumed that they never continued with the project or what. I was actually happy to not find anything. I searched my dad's name on Google quite a bit just to see. And when the camera crew showed up and they started bothering me, I, I was really worried that there was something, some kind of negative story about my dad being aired. And it, it fucking broke my heart. I still search to see if that is something that exists. And I've I haven't found anything negative about my dad. I haven't found any documentaries on YouTube or anything like that. So I don't know who or what they were doing. Weird. Thank you. And I turn to Mick. Do you need anything else from her? No, I think this was all. Uh, Tamara, can we call you if we have any additional questions or something like that? Or if you find anything else that you want to tell us. Yeah, here's my phone number, and she'll write it on like a piece of notepad that she has on just like a colored pencil, and she'll just like uh, rip it off and hand it to you guys. I'll give her the number of the same burner as I used before. And you can reach us on this number anytime you like. I'm very sorry if resurfacing all these memories was traumatic in any way. That was not our intent. Thank you for your openness. She like... We'll wish you guys well and stuff. You guys leave the apartment. As soon as we get at the truck, I think I'll call Paul. Paul, your phone rings. I look at Kendra and I look at my phone and I smile. I answer the phone. I put it on like speaker. I'm like, yeah, we're here. What's up? Hey, uh, you're on speaker. We just came back from the daughter. Nothing much that we didn't know yet. Just that the last thing she heard from him was a phone call about some sort of pagans thing. She mentioned Pan. She mentioned Typhon. He seemed to be really frantic about that. Does that ring a bell with you? No, I've never heard that term before. I mean, I mean, I've heard some guys talk about it. It's like a Greek thing about, it's basically like a, you know, those half goat guys that are supposed to run around drinking beer and throwing parties and stuff. Is it like the thing on the damn tape? Kind of. So I think Pan is like the leader. Supposed to be like, you know, go out to nature and have big wild parties. I I know a bit about it. It's I'm not. It's just some stuff I heard about occasionally. Dougie, why don't you give us an occult role? Because you actually know quite a bit about this type of stuff. I do. Yes. Oh, no. 51 out of 50. Okay, you're familiar with the deity Pan. And you kind of know like this image of this satyr or this goat man type figure. And you know of the association with pleasure and lust and those types of vibes. That's about it. So we got a potential cult dealing with some Greek god in the middle of the fucking hood. And they say culture is dying. 
I didn't want to go this route, but it looks like we're going to have to lay some pipe down. So listen, I need you to come out here. I'm off my pants if that's what you mean. No, not at all. I just got to snicker for a second. I have to stop myself, take a deep breath. And I'm like, man, I need to get to know you more in different circumstances. And I said, listen, this is where we're at. We're at this uh, location here. We have to make some moves on our own. The sooner you get here, the better we can get this done. Then we can move on our own ways. Okay. All right. All right. I'll see you here. I hang up the phone and I look at Kendra for a second and I'm like stoic when I look at her. My whole haha joking around with them thing is done. And I look at her and I'm like, all right, this is what we we're talking about before. I need to know I can rely on you though. Are you in this? Is your head in the game? Yeah. Is yeah. your head in the game? And I, she kind of like gestures to the bottles. Yeah, the Xanax. Yeah. And I look at it and I put it on the dashboard and I look at her and I look at the bottle. I take a deep breath. Listen, lady. That is because of what I've done, what I saw. I've only been in a situation once where I came across anything. It was close. Lady, you know what that kid says about me? Spook, all that stuff throws that around, right? I didn't do shit like that for like five years. I wasn't even a spook then, but I didn't do shit for five years. Because of a friend and contacts he made, I got pulled into some shit to look into some shit. And it wasn't right. And I almost didn't make it for the longest time. I've been dealing with that. And I'm sure if you've seen similar shit that I've seen and that these other folks have seen, you know where I'm coming from with that. And I waited for a call. A part of me waited for a call to be pulled back in, even though I didn't want to. And it happened last week, and that's why I'm here. So yes, I can be counted on. But that keeps my head in the game for now, at least, while I deal with my demons. Okay. And as long as you're dealing with them. I'm dealing with them, trust me. For now, let's get these guys spun up. I go up to the back and open the back of the van. And I start hopping in, pulling my bag with me, waiting for these guys. Because I take you guys are close, right? You're pretty close. And they actually arrive within five minutes of this conversation. You're unzipping the bags. You see the, the truck pull up. And I motion for them. Hey, come back here. Let's have a huddle. So good work. I appreciate the effort trying to find what you found out. Listen, I'm going to be blunt. and I need to know right now. Are you all caring? Yep. Yes. Well, I thought it would be kind of rude and somewhat make people nervous. I brought one now. I don't have one on me. I get one, but... Here. Are you comfortable with using one? Sure. Yeah. Listen, if you're not, just say it. And there's no shame in that. But I need to know if you're comfortable with using one because we're going to be in situations where if you're not and you brandish one, you could do more harm than good. So are you comfortable using one or not? I mean, I've waved one around before. I've shot stuff with it. I've never really, you know, tried to deliberately gun down people we'll say no then that's perfectly fine okay and you two are you comfortable with it yep okay because here's what's going to happen we're going in a building full of people some of them may be bad some of them aren't we got to be careful with what we do but also we need to be careful with each other which leads me to my second point you see him like rub my face because he's been dreading this conversation and he takes a deep breath i don't think we all should go in there together i think that me and someone else I have my ideas of who, but I'm not going to say yet. Need to go in there. And two people need to stay back in case something needs to be done or the cavalry needs to be called. And I think it should be me and him. And I nod to Dougie. We need to move quick. We need to move fast. And we need to do this. And frankly, I don't want to put you two at harm. And you can call it chauvinistic. And you can call it whatever it may be. But in reality, if you're here listening to our comms and you need to fucking do something to get us out there and we're in danger, I'd much rather have you two out here. That's very cute. Extremely, extremely cute of you. 
But how exactly are you planning to go in there? I hope it's not guns blazing because that's no. not going to work. No, ma'am. It's not gun blazing. Trust me. I've experienced this. Kendra and I here have spent a time looking. I only see one way in, hopefully. And the reason why I want this guy to come with me is I have a feeling he's probably quite capable of opening up locks. We run into a locked door. How confident are you that you can get us in it? Well, one, kind of rude that you just assumed that about me. Two, I can totally get you in at any locked door. There we go. So this is what I'm thinking. Him and I go in that side door. We move quick. And listen, I want you two to even hear this if you're not with us. Listen, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. All right? We need to be slow and deliberate in our movements. And with that, we will not make mistakes, which will make us a well-oiled maneuvering unit in the situation. And another thing you all three need to hear at this moment is the term violence of action. If we are in a situation where we need to get out, being loud, being aggressive will get us probably out of that situation and give whoever may be putting us in a predicament a pause, which will give us a couple seconds to get out of here alive. So we're going to wire up, him and I, you're going to hear our communications in there. You're going to keep an eye open up here. And if we need you to come in there, we will find a way to get you in there. Remember, we have some firepower in the back. So I'm going to keep the assault rifles here, okay? I'm going to bring my M19. I'm going to bring this bag. I'm going to bring a pair of nods for him and I and a couple of the flashbangs that we have in a med kit. We are going to wire ourselves up for whatever conversations that we have in there that you guys can record and transcribe in case you have to get out of here. And one other thing, and I can't speak on his behalf, but I'm going to speak on mine. If your guys' life is at his risk and you don't feel that I can get out of there, leave me. Okay, so let's just get this straight. When we actually are in there and start, you let me do the talking, okay? Just don't talk. Here's the thing, Dougie. I think Doug has a point there, Paul. I know, and I, I agree with him. And if we're in a situation where talking is needed, for sure, he's going to talk, and that's why I'm going to come with. My goal is to get in there and not to be in the situation where we need to talk. My goal is to be in there, move, and find out what we can find out. And quick, like I said. Counter alternative. We could try and contact the mother of Jerome, who probably still lives in that building, and get in through her, saying we want to look into the death of her son that might be related to the death of another person or the missing person's file, and we want to unravel what is going on. That's a very valid idea, and it's a good idea. And we could try to see if we could find information about her in there. And while we are in there, you can see one of you on the wireless access point, see if you can get her apartment number or her information, give it to us. We have these Bluetooth pieces with us. They have a good range. We can hear it in there. But we got to skedaddle. We got to boogie. We got to do this. Do you all agree? Sure. You're the one who knows how this thing goes. One thing, Dougie, and for you too, if you have to come in behind us or if you have to do anything in here, confidence speaks volumes right? Oh, don't worry about that. I know how to be confident. But well, I'm saying body language. These people are predators. They're alphas. They can smell fear. Dude, I know. Yeah, I'm speaking to the group. I understand, Dougie. But they can smell fear, all right? So I got to send a text message, and then we're going to go. Get your shit together. Get your kid up ready, Dougie, whatever you may need. One other thing I was thinking about, and I have no idea how this shit works on a federal level. Mick, if you are in deep shit and you can find some way to shut down the fucking power grid. If we are in deep shit, we can make it through and I'll make my life a lot fucking easier. Okay. I know it's not possible. And I smile at her and I pat her on the shoulder, but you need to lighten up kid. And I just turn around and get on my phone and I'm texting fucking coach. Okay. You got what you want. We're moving out here. Anything happens to us and you don't hear from me in 24 hours. The van is parked in this situation. 
you know who to contact if something happens to me. And I expect you to take care of my fucking family. You owe me. And behind his back, while he's doing all this, he would just see pointing at him, just mouthing, what is his problem? <laughs> the other two. So we'll say you guys get geared up, whatever you choose to equip yourself with. Now, are you guys wearing the vests? Yes, I'm putting it under my shirt. Like, I take off my plaid shirt, put it on there, put my jacket over it. Yeah, I think it'll help because they have the big winter coats and stuff. So we got the nods, we got flashbangs, med kit, flashlight, and I got my M1911 on the side under my shirt. I think Michaela asked to split the med kit so that they have some medical stuff here because the med kit is usually overstuffed. While they are gearing up, Mick looks over at Kendra and says, Kendra, do you know how to use all of this equipment to try and get a read on the place, to try and listen in on some conversations on the inside? I mean, I'm not trained in all of it, but she starts pressing buttons and seeing how it works out. Before we start heading over there, like I'm standing next to Dougie. I look at Dougie on the side of the van. I'm like, can you guys hear me? I'm going over the Bluetooth microphone to make sure you two can hear me. Yep, loud and clear. Calm check. All right, listen. If you really want to be successful, Dougie, and I need you to hear this, if you play Super Agent Man in your head while you're doing all this, it makes you really fucking stealthy. So just remember that, all right? Pat him on the shoulder. I'm like, you want some dip? Nah, I prefer smoke. Okay, good. I'm going to make my way to that door there. We're going to see it, and we're just going to take it from there, and we're going to do it smooth and calmly, and we're going to be efficient and fast in doing that, all right? And remember, if shit hits the fan, we're the biggest dogs in the block. We're going to bark a lot, and then we're going to get the fuck out of there, okay? Sure. You got this, man. And I just put a firm hand on his shoulder. I'm like, all right, here we go. Ladies, try not to drink too much while we're gone. I just start walking forward across the street towards that darker door on the side. Why don't both of you give me a stealth roll, please, as you make your way to this door as inconspicuously as you can. 62 out of 70. Okay, Dougie's slick. He doesn't draw any attention. 10 out of 70. Okay, so you guys slide right by and you open this door and it opens and you guys just sneak right in there. You just hear this clammy quietness on the other side as you guys are just both in this illuminated staircase looking at each other in the eyes. You hear noises from the apartments, from the buildings, but there's nobody here right now and you guys are just looking at each other. Nobody saw you come in. Out of character, that tape we listened to, the files we looked at, he went into the building, right? We have no idea where he went into the building though, right? What I'm asking is, can I roll to see if mentally I can remember listening there? Did I hear echoing? Did I hear any background noise that could give like any indication where he could have been? Any distinct sound other than the moaning and the screaming, look back at it in an analytical mind and see. The second you step foot into this stairwell and you hear that door shut behind you and you hear that echoey sound, the reverberation it made, you do know that this is where he recorded himself talking. You can hear it bouncing off the walls. We didn't hear him go up steps in the call. Did I hear any like footsteps or anything like that? Or like he stopped and said something here. You heard the sounds of footsteps on metal stairs. And as you look in front of you, you see these welded chain link style stair with holes in it so that if moisture touches it, it'll, it'll just fall through the actual staircase. It's the type that makes this metal clanging sound as you walk up of it, and it echoes throughout the yeah. entire staircase. I whisper into my, we're heading up, and I look at him, and I start walking up slowly. And I keep my hand on my pistol. I'm not going to pull my pistol out, but I'm walking up the steps slowly. 
you start to head up the steps. And the second you hit that first floor, the both of you are hit with this wave of rotten smell, horrible, horrible smell. And it makes you gag. It chokes you up. Paul, the only other time you've smelt something nearly as strong as this had been during your service. Probably when you witness the worst types of human violence that people can inflict on each other. And you were just left with that ungodly smell as you saw what you knew in your core was possible, but just didn't think people would do to each other. It brings you back to this war trauma when you smell this. It's almost choking because you haven't smelt this since you've been home at all. And it's almost more profound in a way. It's like it permeates this building. It's almost like ethereal in the way that it reaches far and wide into a a way that you can't even pinpoint where it's coming from. Overcomes the both of you. I whisper in my microphone, this is bad smell here. Something's happened here. I pull out my 1911. I kind of just look back at Dougie. Sit over the microphone. Do you want us to start from the top, down, or bottom top? I'd say bottom top. Moving. And I just say that like real quickly. And I look at Dougie and I tell him my motion. I'm like, open the door. And I'm just like standing in front of the door. You know, like I want him to stand on the side and open the door. Okay. Dougie does that. He's completely out of his element right now. He's just, okay, we're doing what the CIA guide says. So you open the door and it slowly creeps open as you're peeking through Dougie. And you see this long hallway with these blue doors and the walls of this building is this cinder block that's just painted over white. And you see that the doors are blue. It's very dirty, but it has this sterile look the way that they kind of just whitewash over the stones when it gets too bad. And you see there's tons of graffiti. They can't stop people from writing on these walls. And every few months or whatever, they probably just put a fresh coat of white over it. But you just see there's like these tags all up and down the walls. And the windows have this almost like chain link fence nailed over them so that people don't vandalize or break the windows. And you really just are starting to like read this environment. The sounds from some of the apartments, it's quiet. It's, it's past midnight now and people are sleeping, but you do hear loud laughter and you hear arguments, the signs of life coming from here. It's startling because you can hear it close to these walls and you look out and you see The side where the windows connect, it's just big, long chain link fence that's over the glass panes. But it gives it almost this open look as you see like, you know, this this wide window breaking two of the doors between two apartments. You see this, this longer window pane with this bigger section of fence over it. And as you're looking out into the hallway, you hear this sound from the earpiece as somebody bashes on the side of the van and Kendra and Mick, you guys hear this, yo, police bitch, open up. All of a sudden you hear like this pounding on the van and you see like these two people run from the side of the van. You hear all this shouting and commotion, just yo, police inside. And you just hear like these people, they're like running to the building. Paul, Dougie, you hear this fire escape door open up from where you guys just walked through and you hear the sound of like people in motion. Kendra and Michaela, you guys looking out the window, you don't see anybody around the van. It was like somebody just rattled the side of the door and just tried to escape as quickly as possible. Paul and Dougie, you guys hear this 
running in commotion as people just file into this building that you guys are in right now. And you guys have to figure out where you're going to hide because they're making their way up the stairs right now. Michaela and Kendra, you guys feel that the van is being left alone currently, but you just feel your position shot. You feel this just uneasy presence as eyes are just watching you as you look outside and you can't see who slammed on the, on the side of the van. Dougie, get the door open now. You too. If you got skedaddle, skedaddle. I open my bag. I take a flashbang out of my bag. And I look at him like, get a fucking door open now. Put the hardware away. Just all of it away. I'm going to open the door. We're going to go inside. And then if when we come out, don't act like a cop. Okay, just stop. Don't do anything. Just pretend you're buying drugs for me or something. Just stop. I'm like, take looking at the flashbang in my hand. I'm like, breathe for a second. Put the fucking shit back in my bag. And I just like, fucking God, I know this is a bad mistake. And I put the M1911 in my holster and I'll slowly back up a little bit. All right. So now I'm going to try and see if I can get like a hopefully an empty apartment door open. You find a door that there's some kind of signage taped to the door that immediately indicates to you that this is like a vacant building for whatever reason. And you just see like, it's like three doors down and you just see that yellow notice from your burglar days. You know that that's a place that somebody is not in. That's a place that's locked by management. And you just know that you could try to pick the lock. You could try to bash the door in. There's very many ways to do this, and you're just trying to decide in your art form of burglaring which is the best way to go about this. But you know you don't have much time as you hear this commotion behind you, and you just heard that that sound coming from the communication system. Okay, I'm going to try to lockpick it. 7 out of 40. Yeah, so you're fiddling with it and fiddling with it, and just like a a master you hear this satisfying click as you turn the knob and you just push your shoulder into it and the door just opens up and you just see it's almost empty in there save for a few remnants of the past tenant and you just fall into this room and you guys shut the door behind you and you hear this commotion of people running by running in the hallways and you hear these bird whistles that people are making and they're just like yo 5050 there's people pounding on the walls And you just hear as this entire building's alarm, internal alarm, community alarm sounds. And you just hear more commotion coming from like the rooms around you. And you guys are looking at each other just like eyes wide in this dark room. All you can see is the whites of each other's eyes. And you hear people on the other side of this door who are pursuing you because you've just interrupted something and you find yourself in a place where you don't belong. I go around the corner to like the kitchen area and I kind of whisper in my ear. I'm like, if you gotta go, go, get out of here. Drive around. If they found you, you're up. Shut up, shut up, just shut up. Okay. So it's like a, a anthill, that's it. They're going to be all riled up and stuff. And then they're going to be up in the thing for like a while. Okay. But then they're going to calm down eventually. And then we just have to act like we belong. Okay. So. Hunker I don't down. know, like, get, get some of the dirt over here and rub it on yourself. Just when we have to, like, don't act all high and proud like you were doing earlier, okay? Just pretend like you belong. Pretend like you're, like you're on drugs or something and you're just, you're just trying to shuffle along and get about your day, okay? Be invisible. Be invisible in plain sight. Okay. You too. If you got to go, though, if you're fucking 
position is got it, got compromised. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, so it won't be a problem. I'm, I'm not a cop. People know me that I'm not a well, cop. Well, I know us. We are good. I'm talking about them. I don't want them to be in danger. So. Oh, stop talking. We're fine. You guys are hearing all of this, by the way. And nobody is around the van, but you see like the group of people that are loitering outside notice the van now. They're kind of laughing. You hear like a crowd of people like laughing. Maybe this has happened before. They kind of intercept some kind of police activity and they warn everybody in the building so that everybody stops the drug dealing for a second and just covers their ass. And this is what happens. Being part of law enforcement, you've never worked uh, narcotics, but you are familiar with this just from being part of the profession. Kendra, what's going on in your head right now as you are just stirred up by this commotion that just happened? And you're unsure of what's happening with Dougie and Paul, what you're making of this. Michaela, you had this laptop on your lap and you were kind of rattled as you heard this loud bang on the metal walls of the van. And then just like these footsteps running off into the distance. You feel as though you're being hassled by this group of onlookers, but it's just glaringly obvious how unsafe you are in this situation. How even being a police officer, even being armed, even nothing can protect you from this situation that you're in. And you're starting to feel that animosity and adrenaline that Paul has just very easily snapped into his experience in the apartment building. He's in this action mode and you kind of feel this animosity as well as this happens. So like what's coursing through your guys' heads right now? The people in the building are just in full pursuit and the people outside of the building are looking on almost in a mocking way at this black van. There's that pause and Kendra will turn around to look at Michaela. I could jump in the driver's seat and just drive around rather than just being a sitting target here. Try to keep in range. Yeah, I think that is a good idea. I know Paul wants us to book it, but that's not how I work. That's good to know. Damn, you're so much nicer than he is. He's kind of a dick. He really is. We don't have really time to go all into this, but I'm kind of surprised that he didn't start mansplaining a gun to me. Not that you mention it. He is that kind of person. Kendra will hop into the driver's seat and she'll try to keep a close radius around, but moving more with the traffic. So you guys begin to circle the building and and you feel yourself get out of this spotlight of people that focused on the van. Some of them almost wave the van off as it goes and you feel like this rock just hit the back or it was maybe like a bottle or something that somebody just kind of threw at the van as it was driving away. You guys feel yourself leave that immediate sense of danger and you're still kind of like driving around casing. And Dougie and Paul, you guys are in this empty apartment right now. There's no lights on and you guys are just kind of like looking around. You see it's almost like this open floor design, open floor layout. You can't really tell if it's designed as a loft or if there's actual components of this apartment that are missing, you know, maybe there's nobody lives here because it's like in such a state of disrepair. And Dougie, you are trying to put distance between yourself and the door and you are in this bathroom and you kind of see where like the mirror in this bathroom is supposed to be, that there's just this hole and you feel like this cold air coming from the hole 
you see that it's like this whole kind of might lead to something else in this building. All the while, this just smell is just kind of wafting towards you. And you find yourself just drawn to this area where the mirror is. You almost want to take out a flashlight and look at it closer. Maybe it's the heat of just having ran or something, and it's the comfort of this cold air, but you feel yourself just being drawn towards this large three foot by two foot opening in the bathroom on the wall. I'm going to like sort of whisper call over to like uh, Paul's like, hey, I think there might be like some kind of, what, what do you call it? Like gap in the wall thing, Bob, like some kind of, you know, ventilation thingy. I'm going to check it out. Okay. Okay. Like a tunnel system. And does it smell like really bad in here? Like it did in the hallway? Yeah. It's like crazy bad. You feel the need to put something over your nose. And I mean, eventually you stop because it's just impractical to keep covering your face. That's like one less hand you can use. Every time your hand is like down, you feel the need to just put something over your mouth. You feel this vomit coming up in the back of your throat. Your stomach is turning like when you see somebody throw up and it's provoking that response from you. And you're trying to hold back gagging because it smells really rotten in here. I hand him a mag light for the back. Here, fuck it. Take this shit. Well, I'm trying to like uh, oh, light a cigarette or something that just get some other kind of smell in here or something. Oh. Hey, Mick, Kendra, we're in an apartment now, right? They didn't find us, but it fucking smells horrible. Corpses or something in here. I mean, like overpowering bad. Did they say anything? Anyone you spoke to say anything about this shit? Well, Kendra is currently driving us to another location, but... There was something both in the original file and from what Tamara said, I can remember that after midnight, sometimes a smell of death just wafts through the whole thing and nobody really knows why. All right. Doug, you found a tunnel system or something he's going to look into here in the bathroom, all right? A tunnel system in the bathroom? Yeah, I have no fucking idea. I'm waiting to get word back from him. I'm like looking out the window, peeking the curtains, looking out, seeing the courtyard, whatever way the, the window faces in the living room, checking out the scenario while he looks. Paul, Dougie, what apartment number are you in? Shit. Fuck, Dougie, did you get the number? Uh, Dougie, you got the number. Yeah, it was 113. Yeah, 113. First floor, it's empty, so I don't think we've been here for a while. So yeah, I think we'll be good for now. Okay, give me a second. Adam, can I look up apartment 113 in the database that I got? Absolutely. Yeah, you have like a floor plans of the building now that you've downloaded. It was like a really good find and you're just like, fuck yeah. This is like a blueprint layout of when they built this building like 100 years ago. Does the blueprint show anything like a tunnel system from the bathroom? It's kind of strange. When you were able to access this information you see that this building had originally been built as a different type of apartment. The plan was for it to not be public housing, maybe like a, a smaller, but still as tall, luxury high-rise. And then the plan changed and they built this other plan over it. And you are able to figure out from looking at these blueprints that this area is this void of space when you look at the blueprint of, of these maps and you see this like small void of space between the apartments. And it's like kind of making sense that maybe this is a remnant. This is like a room from when they had carried out this original design of the building, these small areas in between where 
they just never built in. And there's like apartments around this empty space from the construction. So you're picturing it as Dougie. You crawl in headfirst to this hole in the bathroom mirror. And Paul is right behind you with another mag light. Dougie, you put your cigarette down on the sink and you just crawl through and you fall through on the other side. And when you point the light around and you come to, you see this large marble pillar, like a Greek pillar, like that you would see in a bathhouse or something like that. And you're shining the light all around the room and you just see these graffiti murals depicting the god Pan, this satyr figure with a human's body and a goat's horns. All these different scenes where people are indulging in sex and indulging in these lustful acts. You see like the pictures of the satyr, he's like engorged. His penis is like on display and like all of these pictures, they're just like showing these phallic representations and these images of just lust and sexuality. You're looking around almost in shock. You're just like, oh my God, what is this? Somebody had a real thing for uh, things. What do you mean? What are you seeing there? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, it's... Well, I could definitely say it's a cult. I can say that for sure. And whoever took the time to make all this stuff Really got a thing for dudes with their pants off. What the? Okay, I'm going in and I'm like crawling through the hole. Hey, Kendra, in your uh, expertise, this smells fucking horrible. I'm saying that as I'm taking like a little pocket knife I have and cutting a part of my flannel to like make a face rag. And I'm doing the same for Dougie. And I'm like, this fucking smells here is horrible. It's like seriously smells like dead bodies. And it's just permeated through this whole fucking building. In your fucking expertise, like, how many fucking bodies would it take for this shit to happen? Like, be this fucking rank and strong and overpowering? Because I haven't experienced it to this level ever in my life. Dougie and Paul, why don't you both give me a sanity roll right now? As the smell inside of here is almost hallucinogenic. It's like nothing else you've ever experienced in your life. Oh, shit. I fail. Okay, if you failed... Give me 1d6 sanity loss, and if Ooh. you pass, you only take one sanity loss. I lost one sanity point. Could be worse, but it is reminding you of times I, in your life you'd rather forget. And you see me, like, tapping my shirt pocket. Fuck, my pills are goddamn in the fucking vehicle. Shit, I left them in the fucking vehicle, and I'm sitting there like, you just see them white in the sweat. I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. And maybe they can even hear it over the microphone, like me saying that. And I'm looking at the mural with my flashlight. I'm like, what the fuck? All right, listen, here's a sit rep. The fucking... Michaela, Kendra, you hear the communications cut out. Here's a sit rep. We see, like, there's some fucking Greek... Paul, as you are, like, talking, you just hear this little buzz, like, zzz. And you're just like, what the fuck? And you hear, like, a little bit more, like, zzz. And you go and you, you see this, like, sheet down on the ground. And you go and you try to, like, pull this sheet up and just... This swarm of flies just covers your vision, covers your sense of being like a beehive has been cracked open and these just flies just swarm everywhere. You feel it like almost as if it's wrapping around your head and you go to let out a scream and you just feel yourself almost being choked by this presence of insects. 
Why don't you take a look through our growing catalogue of one-shot scenarios to find out about Chronicles of Darkness, Delta Green, Call of Cthulhu, 13th Age, Eclipse Phase, Rogue Trader, Slasher Flick and probably even more.